Welcome to Saltivation. The Saltivation Show is a podcast series featuring the leading voices in salt, where we talk about the issues and strategies to help you make sense of state and local tax. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Saltivation Podcast. Today, we continue our Meet the Team series with director Stacey Roberts. Hi, Stacey. Do you think we'll be able to stay focused today? My guess is maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Mm, That's a strong maybe. And the Saltivation boss lady, Judy Vorderen. Hi, Judy. Hello. (laughs) All right, Stace. So we're both Illinois girls, power of the Midwest. We are. You started your career in Chicago and then That's headed right. towards the Pacific Northwest and then settled in Denver. What do you think you learned about working in each of those markets? Ooh, um, well, so I worked for Anderson and the Chicago office was the headquarters of Anderson. So it was a huge, oh, I realize that. yeah, it was a huge office building. I mean, we had a whole office building and tons of people, right? And I'm from a little town in Illinois little farm town. And so when I moved to Chicago, just that alone was like a big culture shock for me. But in the end, one of the best things I ever did for myself, just personally. And so then going into the building, you know, 33 West Monroe, still remember. Um, Burned. Don't don't know. I don't know what's in there now. It could be the new Anderson. I don't know. Because, you know, Anderson's back in another shape or form, right? But uh, yeah, I would go into 33 West Monroe and with thousands of other people. And the SALT group, the state and local tax group, was I think around 100 to 125 people. Oh my goodness. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I was, so the group, so the, the team was further broken down into various like service lines. So I was part of the income tax group. There were people that were part of the sales tax group. There were people that were part of the property tax group. And there were people that were part of the payroll tax group. So at that time, Anderson did all of those, you know, services for state and local tax. So having been part of that, I worked for, I would say, I mean, some of the like really like, I mean, very technically oriented income tax partners probably learned the most, honestly, from them, from a technical perspective, not to get too nerdy about Illinois income tax, but it can be, it can be pretty complicated. So we did a lot of corporate tax work. The group itself was consultative. So we didn't do compliance, but so there was a separate group that did compliance, but we always reviewed it. So here I was as like a staff person reviewing state income tax returns that other people prepared. And then I was having to work with this other group that was the compliance group in order to get changes made and the returns out the door. So very well-oiled process as far as that was concerned. But from a consulting standpoint, I just, I learned so much from the partners because they really challenged us to learn the law, to understand the nuances with like the Illinois law, as opposed to maybe like a California, because so much of what Illinois' like unitary rules are related to are very much related to California's unitary rules, but in some ways somewhat different. So we would have quizzes. We'd get, have to do these income tax meetings really early in the morning, right? And when you're, you know, in your 20s and going out in Chicago and then having to go to work the next day and, and early, at like, you know, 7.30, having like a quiz from like one of the partners, it's kind of brutal. But at the end, I mean, I learned a ton. And I learned, I would say, you know, a lot about just 
kind of hierarchy and some things that I didn't like, honestly, right? Because I remember distinctly I had written, and this was, I I had made senior and I had written a a private letter ruling for the state of Rhode Island of all places. And it was arguing distortion for apportionment. And I remember walking into like pretty much the head technical partner of the income tax group, his office. And this is the days, right, where these partners still wanted things printed, right? So like, you're not emailing it to them, right? I mean, I've been doing this a long time. So I'm physically taking in this PLR and he's just sitting there in his office waiting for me to bring it in. And he grabs his red pen to get ready to make edits. And he did. And he's a and he's a lefty, so it was like over the you know like this kind of you know edits all over my paper. So you know, I mean, hard. You know, very like I was really nervous walking in, right? Because it's all these you know, it's a big group. It's you know, you're expected to do a lot. You're expected to know a lot. You're like 23, 24. Correct. Like. Correct. And you know, a little intimidated by these people, right? But. It really was like a really good learning ground for me um, to become so technically competent, I think, you know, in the income tax area. But then I also had like the blinders because I didn't I didn't know sales tax. I didn't know property tax. I didn't know payroll tax because there were other people that knew that stuff and I didn't have to know it. And so then when for personal reasons, I decided to move, you know, logistics or geographically rather, Um, I had to learn and become more of a generalist, right? Because Anderson's office in Chicago, again, the biggest office, the headquarters office, then I'm moving to other offices that are smaller. And I also learned that at these firms, I don't know why I would ever have thought this, but I also learned that these offices, the culture is very different, even though you're part of the same firm. And so that was really interesting to me too, to, you know, to go from that Chicago office, which I felt was, I mean, I was, I had a lot of support and I learned a lot, but then when I got to these other offices and just, it was just different. And culturally, I was very surprised at how different it really was. That was an eye opener. And like I said, I had to really kind of learn like sales tax, for example. I mean, I just had to learn it because if I was going to help my clients, I had to figure it out. Uh, So it was kind of sink or swim a little bit, but I would say moving to those other geographies exposed me to, you know, a broader base. Also just different clients. I mean, surprisingly, this probably isn't a surprise to you, Meredith, but like Chicago's pretty middle market. I mean, there's some big companies, don't get me wrong. Like, you know, I worked on Walgreens, for example. It's a huge company, right? I worked on a giant project for them, right? But you know, there's a lot of middle market companies. And so when I moved to, you know, Portland, when I moved to Denver here, I mean, a lot of middle market companies, right? So from that perspective, it wasn't that different. I will say, you know, in those other markets, I was also still working on, you know, SEC, you know, companies. So we, you know, I was having to do work that I had been doing similar work, you know, when I was in Chicago. And I, always got my in with these clients through the income tax, just because that was what I knew. But I would say, like, like I said earlier, that for me, moving to the smaller markets forced me to become more of a generalist and learn sales tax, which has been invaluable to me over time. 
Well, so then you said you went to Portland or yeah, you went to Portland from Chicago. And then did you kind of do like Oregon and Washington kind of together? Um, more or Oregon, did you- I would say. Yeah. I mean, so fast forward. And so Anderson went down. No surprise, right? That's not, that's not news. <laughs> Spoiler alert. That's not news. <laughs> and I went down with that ship. And then I ended up at KPMG where you worked, Meredith. So what was interesting about that too, so I was in Portland when that happened. I barely got my moving expenses reimbursed from moving to Portland. The firm was indicted. I think I moved like February and the firm was indicted in May, April or May. Actually, probably April because then I became a KBMG employee early May. And all of the Portland and Seattle office people for Anderson became KPMG employees. They took over the audit and tax work for those markets. And so we were, and we were the bigger practice. And so we were all kind of, you know, I hate to say miserable company, but you know, we were all in it together. And so that was, there was some comfort in that, right? Cause I, you know, I'd made friends with these people. Honestly, I hadn't been there very long to, you know, get to know a lot of the people clearly because I'd moved in February and then everything happened, you know, a couple months later, but I got to know them. They got to know, you know, kind of my expertise, how I worked. And we were all kind of in it together and figuring it out, right? And so when we all joined KPMG, yeah, sure, different firm, you know, culturally a little different, but we were still all like kind of the Anderson people together. And so it didn't really feel that different. And we continued working on the same clients. So that was kind of interesting, right? It was just, you know, like they just basically slap the KPMG name on the door. I mean, I was right. going into the same office space. I sat at the same desk. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, like one day I'm like giving my resignation at Anderson. And then the next day I go to offsite training all day with everybody else. And then the next day I walk into my same office and sit at my same desk. So it was just very interesting, a very interesting time. Yeah. And changing your emails and all that. I mean, like in oh, a yeah. day, all the emails just become mm-hmm. at KPMG. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, I, um, when I was at Deloitte, we acquired the Anderson practice in mm-hmm. Chicago. Yeah, so I actually right. went to the Christmas party there because we had, an, I was working with a group that was in Oak Park. Is that right? Oak Park mm-hmm. or Oak? Okay. So our group well, was- Well, probably Oak Brook. Oak Brook. Maybe it was it Oak was, Brook. Yes. Yeah. There was the an office- sex. Correct. Right. It was in Oak people. Brook, uh-huh. yeah. which was away from downtown Chicago, but yeah. we got to go to the the Chicago party, which was at the Natural History Museum. And I mean, I don't know if there were ten thousand people. I mean, it was. Rid- mm-hmm. I had no idea big. there was that big an office, and big. Denver is so small comparatively. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I work nationally, right? So I got to see all these different offices at Deloitte. But we had taken over the Anderson practice in Illinois. So I was with your old brethren oh, then, yeah. Oh, yeah. and then you're at KPMG because that's what happened with KPMG took over the Anderson practice in different markets because mm-hmm. Deloitte was going to take all of it, I guess, but they didn't want the liability. I think legally there was an issue with that. So they only took peace offices. Like they took sure. California, Chicago, mm-hmm. Texas. I can't remember all of them, but oh boy, that was so well, crazy. Well, and I think they only took tax. They did not take okay. any audit. So oh, that's my recollection. Maybe you're right. That's my recollection. Would there have been that many people in tax in Illinois then? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then I mean, Deloitte probably had that many, a lot of people. But I was just, yeah, I could not believe how big those offices were. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the no, Natural I mean, History Museum, they rented yeah. out the entire museum mm-hmm. for the party. 
With Sue the T-Rex? Right. I mean, yeah. it was like- With Sue. The whole museum was just that party for oh, yeah. that group. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was crazy. When, I was at, when I was at Anderson, they'd run out Great America. Okay. You know, I was the like, amusement that, park. That means, no, that means something to like me and you, but everyone's like, yeah, the amusement so park. park. Like Elitch's downtown yeah. Denver. Yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah. that's I mean, the that's deal. KPMG did the same thing. <laughs> it's, you know, six, I don't know if it's still owned by Six Flags, but it was, you know, Six Flags, Great America. And, you know, it's like, yeah. you know, huge, yeah. right? I mean, not like Disney World huge, but huge. Yeah. And yeah. they'd rent it out. That was, you know, one of the things that we would do for fun. Yeah. <laughs> right. Little treats to the staff. You know, right. you get to do a lot of neat things that they would do to kind of make up for all the hours they kill you. Doing for a living. Yeah, right. But at K- so I was at KBMG for three years. Okay. Um, in, all in, in Portland, Oregon. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, in Portland. Okay. Okay. Yep. Yeah. And so I didn't really, I didn't work on a lot of Washington at that time. We had, you know, groups, you know, a group of people in Seattle that that was really kind of their expertise. Yeah. Um, and so I was really kind of more of an, inc- still more of an income tax person working on, you know, just multi-state compliance and, you know, consulting work, not a lot of sales tax even at that time, although I was getting a little bit more exposure to it. I would say that probably the biggest, you know, kind of shift in my career was when Kim Snyder, who is the multi-state tax services partner in Seattle, he contacted me when I was still at KPMG and asked me if I would have dinner with him because he was looking to hire somebody to rejuvenate, I would say, the practice in Portland for Deloitte. Okay. And he found me and asked me to, you know, go to dinner, hear about Deloitte, hear about what, you know, I could contribute. And next thing I knew, I was signing my offer letter to, you know, join Deloitte. And, and I remember Kim Snyder was a federal t- guy who became in charge of the mm-hmm. state and local practice. And it, because I went to your office before you were there when I was part of the national team. And I remember being a little bit annoyed, I won't lie, because I was like, he's not even a multi-state guy. <laughs> like he, yeah. his bread and butter was, you know, becoming a federal person and understanding that and the nuances, of course. But I was like, I was purely state and local. So I had a little bit of a... Uh, mm-hmm resentment, I suppose, because I'm like, this is all I know. I don't, I know federal a little bit. I did federal for a couple of years, but like I really was ingrained in state local. And yet he was a leader with a stronger federal background than a state and local background, but he was still the market leader in salt. So it's interesting. Fast forward and then Stacy showed up. Yeah. Right. Cause <laughs> right? he probably needed some of those strengths in the technical area that he was lacking. Yeah. So the guys that had been in the Portland office before I joined were really very heavy business and occupation tax guys. That was their technical kind of background. Even though they were sitting in Portland, that was most of their work. Okay. And that was, they just weren't really, I guess, making inroads with the, you know, federal tax team because they just didn't know income tax. Right. Right. I mean, anybody knows Washington B&O, right. It's, it's, I mean, it's, pretty intricate, right? It's very, there's a lot of different rules and you can make a career out of it. You really can. Yeah. And so there's, I mean, that's kind of what those guys did. Right. And especially the larger companies in the world, mm -hmm. like smaller mid-market, they're not paying enough to really spend a whole lot of time fighting over a couple thousand dollars of tax. But when you're talking something larger, you're probably talking millions of dollars with the tax. Oh yeah. 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 And, And so they, so Kim really needed somebody who could I, you know, make the inroads with the federal tax people and kind of build that practice. And so I 
took a leap of faith and said, okay, I'm going to try it. Right. I mean, what do I have to lose? Right. And I was a manager. And so here I was kind of joining this practice. I didn't know any of them. I don't even know if I'd seen them out in the market. Right. Cause they were all federal tax people. And, you know, if I'd seen anybody else out in the market, it would have been like an EY multi-state person or something like that. Right. It wouldn't have right. been, you know, a federal person necessarily. The other thing was that that office had kind of had a shift in leadership where there were a couple partners that were retiring or had retired. And so there was just kind of a leadership change and younger partners coming up. So really like the timing was really good for me to come in because it was, you know, they were really looking to build and kind of change, you know, that office and attract younger talent and things like that. And so it was really a good time for me to be there and learn. And it was also, I joined, I think in 05. And then, um, you know, as you guys know, Fin48 hit, you know, a few years later and that I was the busiest I've ever been that year because, you know, everybody was having to book reserves and, you know, we had publicly held companies that were, you know, having to figure out their Nexus footprint their you know, get everything booked. Their and exposures for like a long time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and so I was never busier and I'm sure you guys weren't either, but you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it, it was a very busy time for us and also, but, but like probably like for me, one of the better times in my career, honestly, because I just learned a lot. I was constantly, you know, helping clients, which is what really what I love to do, um, right. you know, figure things out and help them book things that they need to book, help them figure out their exposure, help them figure out what to do to fix it. And so that was a really interesting time for me. And then I was able to hire people too, which was, you know, I loved it, right? I was, you know, I had a, I had a lot of support from leadership and I was able then to like build a team and we had a great time. <laughs> you know, we, we enjoy, I mean, we worked hard, but we also had a good time. Yeah. And I really, really loved that office. I really loved that office. And I really loved the leadership team. I mean, you know, I ultimately reported up to Seattle and then down to San Jose. And I loved my whole leadership team in that Pacific Northwest. It was, they were so incredibly supportive. And I had Walker when I was there too, which I would have to say that Kim was probably, I mean, he was the, one of my biggest supporters as far as, you know, what do you want to do when you come back? Do you want to come back? I know, right? This is your first baby. That's always a conversation. Why is that always a conversation? It's an assumption that all us women in careers will quit. Well, I I think he was, I didn't really get that impression from him. Honestly, Mm -hmm. it was more like, you got to think about it. What is it that you want? Yeah. And then I remember kind of having the conversation with him. I'd gone up to Seattle. I was was pregnant. I used to spend a ton of time in Seattle. I'd go back and forth between Portland and Seattle a lot. I remember kind of sitting in his office and him being like, okay, what do you think? And I said, well, what if I went part-time? And he goes, well, don't forget, part-time means part-time pay and part-time benefits. Why don't you just think about working from home a couple days a week? Which was unprecedented. Right, not done. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? That's, I mean, now we're like there, but we were not there. Oh, no, because, you know, Walker was born in 2006. Yep. 
Yeah. I mean, it was the black suit, pay to wear jeans on Friday when I got started. Yep. Oh, yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. Pantyhose, pantyhose were still part of the dress code. Oh, yeah. I remember going to the Arizona office, traveling Arizona of all places in the summer, and I could not wear sandals. In Denver, we wore sandals. They're like, you're wearing mm-hmm. open-toed shoes. I'm like, we're actually having this conversation about the fact that I'm wearing <laughs> open-toed shoes. It's 197 degrees outside. Right. And it I was like wear summer wear- <laughs> 2005, 2006. I mean, this is not that long ago. And we were still talking about open, you know, open-toed shoes and what proper attire was for women in the office. Yeah. So that somebody would say that and allow that and be thoughtful of that. Mm-hmm. I always felt, I don't know about you, but I always felt like the women who chose to go part-time did not get a good deal because the work huh. is not part-time. So no. you would still be at the beck and call of a client. Things are needed. You can't just take the day off if you have to work uh, and answer a question. The client is expecting an answer. They don't know that you're off on Wednesdays. So I was like, why would you do it? Just figure out a way to work around mm-hmm. and not take the pay cut because you're not going to have the time cut. That the was time the, isn't going to be representative ish, of the correct. money. That's what I always, my perception always was. So I thought, take the money and, you know, just figure out a way to work around your life and still be productive in the full-time area, just maybe not in the normal construct of a nine to five, right? Because that's right. not maybe how children work. So um, <laughs> what do you mean? And yeah. we're all from home <laughs> with our kids running around right? and potentially going on and off mute because of say, yelling or well, yeah, Zoe's sleeping still because it's school, it's no school this week. So she's <laughs> yeah. We had a rousing game of croquette last night and then she went nice. I'm like, I have to go to bed. <laughs> I did win, by the way. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) You had Walker in Portland, and then eventually you end up in Denver. Was it a really hard transition if you felt so connected to your team? And I know that's, you know... When you spend, and that was something, because I did a lot of like recruiting at KPMG, it's about, it's so much about the team and who you surround yourself with because they become your family. There's why there's a Mm -hmm. lot of like big four marriages. Like it's an integral part of like your life. Oh, yeah. And so is it really hard for you to kind of let go of that team and transition to Denver? Yeah, I cried a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I was super invested, right? As you can imagine, right? Because I'd hired these people, you know, they were looking to me to, you know, lead them. And, and then I, you know, was really invested with, you know, all the other partners. And like I said, I mean, I, I had, I felt like, you know, some of the best support in my career at that time. Right. And I'd already been, you know, in my career for, I don't know, 10 years at that point. Right. Maybe over. And so it was just, I, I just kind of felt like I was in some ways a little bit home, right? When I was there. Yeah. Um, but then, and you, you know, love Portland. I mean, it's such a great yeah. city. Yeah. I miss it too. I miss it still to this day, honestly. Yeah. And I mean, I could never get that back, right? You know, all of that I had there, of course, you know, but uh, meaning, you know, just the team, the people, the, you know, all right. of that. People right? kind was, of found different ways oh, yeah. in their careers. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, so not to mention now. your saltivation team now will never be topped, right? Well, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. But you could live in Oregon if you wanted to, just right. saying. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, you know, you never know. I might end up, uh, you know, back out there eventually. Yeah. Well, but then um, would you have, so did you, tra- so you transferred with Deloitte mm-hmm. to Denver, mm-hmm. and then you and Judy, were you at Deloitte we, at the same time? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But she was in Portland when we met. 
on yes. the phone. We never, mm-hmm. I mean, we didn't have, we didn't have this. I didn't even think I knew what you look like unless I looked at our picture oh, yeah, maybe thing. Not. Yeah. We yeah. just talked on the phone and we were trying to get some clients and lots mm-hmm. of great conversations because, you know, her trying to understand what I was trying to do, mm-hmm. you know, vice versa, me trying to understand her clients so I can give bids because I have mm-hmm. to, figure out what the heck it's going to cost for the client and see if it's a then, fit. Judy, were you doing like the sales tax outsourcing? Yep. And so... We were doing... I was part of the whole outsourcing practice at Deloitte where we took over tax departments. One byproduct was sales tax, part of it was property tax, part of it was income tax, the whole suite. So it just depended on what the client needed and we would slice mm-hmm. and dice accordingly. Um, and so that's what we were trying to do was sort of kind of what we do now, honestly, but on a larger scale. Because a lot of those companies, right, couldn't necessarily justify the resources, nor do they have the expertise. I mean, the resources it costs to have a group, like software, technology. I mean, that's an infrastructure cost you just have to absorb if you're going to have your own tax department. So if you can get somebody else who's top of mind, paying attention, working with people who have it, like, you know, sometimes it doesn't make so much sense to do be an in-house person. You may be able to attest to that at all. Like yeah. how much does it cost to support all the technical resources you had at the big four? There's a lot that really is at your fingertips that you would have to replace in industry. No, oh, yeah. You can't just Google yeah. it all. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I I mean, yeah. So I got to know Judy there. And then when I was gonna be moving to Denver, I contacted her because you know I had Walker and I got I need a daycare. <laughs> so <laughs> I contacted her, like, where do I start? You know? And so she gave me some ideas. And then when I, you know, came to house hunt and daycare hunt and all of that, then, um, you know, settled on a place and, you know, here we are, right? Here well, we, we are. had our offices next to each other. We did. did. We? Yeah, yeah. 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 But briefly, briefly. Yeah. Briefly. Yeah. Until you then moved on. Yeah. So... Yeah, but yeah, I worked, so I worked in this office here at Deloitte um, until 2011. And then that's when I went to Ball, which that job also fell in my lap. You, when did you come to Colorado though? What year was it? Oh, wait, 2008. Okay, yeah, because I I think I left Mm -hmm. Deloitte in 09. No, I did leave in 08. I left in 08, so we were very short because I had Zoe Mm -hmm. in 07 and then 08 is when I left. Yeah, because I remember like I'd run into you in the halls, right? And we'd like chit chat for, you know, a period of time. And then you'd be off, you know, doing yeah, the next thing. thing. <laughs> well, because you were traveling a lot, you know. Yeah, I so was. like, I mean, no, you were I was rarely I was in the back office. and forth to Boston mm-hmm. at that point. And that's what ultimately led to my deciding to leave because in order for mine to make the numbers and do what I wanted to do and advance myself, I was going back and forth to bigger markets mm-hmm. to have, you know, the bigger book of business. And I had had just had Zoe and I'm like, I didn't have a kid never to see her, you know, and yeah. I could bring yeah. her out on the weekends, but my husband come out on the weekend. It just was not tenable. I just didn't want... At that point in my life, I didn't want to be a road warrior anymore. Well, then stay. So, you know, at that point, you're kind of in your fourth market in Denver. You left, you went to Ball, you went to... And then you ended up going back into kind of public accounting Mm -hmm. with a smaller firm and then ended up, you know, at tax ops. What do you think... Because I always find you to be very relatable and very good with clients. And just (laughs) able to... Just like listen and hear them and let them feel like you're being heard. So how have you, you know, in in changing those kind of markets, how do you stay grounded and connected to your clients? Like what is it that really kind of like 
drives you to be, you know, a great practitioner outside of your incredible, you know, technical abilities? I do think I, I mean, one of the things that I do try to do is have empathy for our clients, right? No matter who they are, right? I mean, and just like you said, I do try to listen. I think, you know, as I was kind of reflecting on some of the things that I think have made me relatable over time, I think it is that I do listen. I do care. And not everybody does that, right? I mean, there's a lot of, we know a lot of practitioners that just say, this is what you need to do. Here's your report. Good luck, right? Where we don't, we don't treat them like that. And I think, Early on in my career, maybe not so much when I was in Anderson in Chicago, because this was, I mean, it was so huge and I was young, but I do feel over time, and we do this now, and I think I've done it, you know, as I was getting further on in my career early on, I have wanted to be their state tax department, right? And there was a client that I had in Portland in particular, he was a tough cookie, and he, he had been a long-standing client of the firm. And then here I come in, fresh set of eyes looking at their state income tax returns. He prepared them in-house. I mean, he wasn't necessarily doing them, but his, you know, his team was. But he, you know, he ultimately signed off on them. I, we signed as prepared. Well, we were the reviewer. We signed the returns. Deloitte did. But we were, so we reviewed and signed. They've been prepared certain, a certain way for years and years and years. And here I come with a little bit more state income tax expertise than my brethren, you know, at Deloitte had. And I found all these issues, some favorable, some not. And I remember sitting in his office and he, he was a tough cookie. He, I mean, he wasn't, I mean, difficult per se. He was just a quiet individual. I would say he was very, someone who, took in information. He was a processor. So he didn't say a lot, right? And I just remember sitting with him, going over all of my notes and letting him process. And it was kind of awkward because <laughs> I'm sitting there, it's a silence. He's just processing. He doesn't really know me. He doesn't, you know, we hadn't really gotten to that level of trust yet because this was all new. And I remember him getting upset, rightly so, with, you know, the partner on the engagement because, you know, he's hearing about these things for the first time. Mm -hmm. Why am I hearing this now? And here I am having to explain who I am, my expertise, you know, without throwing somebody else under the bus. You know, a little bit of a fine line. All of us have been there, you know, one, you know, one time or another. But I just remember he and I created a really good working relationship. And I think it was because I was able to let him be him and process that information, kind of read him mm-hmm. and let him process it, get comfortable with it. And then I was, all, you know, I was able to earn that trust. And then I became, you know, me and my team, their state tax department. And he, I, I worked on so many projects for that company and they were, they were rail car manufacturers. So kind of old school, right? And well, but also really interesting issues. Oh yeah. Right? Oh yeah. And then that was also Fin 48. They had a leasing company. They leased yeah. um, rail cars. Oh yeah. yeah. You know, and like mobile, I mean, it, very interesting issues, right? This is all mobile equipment running through. Do you have Nexus? Do you not? What do you need to do about it? 
um, multiple your miles in state or your, you know, yeah. where's all your stuff stored? Yeah. Do you, I mean, do you have flash title in places? I mean, just lots of different, really interesting issues. And so I was able to really help them. And we, I mean, we created a really good relationship. Like I said, and it was you very didn't, awkward And you first. didn't lose the client. I mean, no. that's important mm-hmm. too, because, no. you know, you don't want to throw the other person under the bus, but what they're trying to say is, hey, this person knows even more strategically on these areas. Let's give it a shot to take a look. And you mm-hmm. did find problems, which meant kind of ill on the mm-hmm. signers, right? And you were able to get through that. That's incredibly yeah. positive. Yeah. You're that glass of milk that you just <laughs> dipped that tough cookie in slowly over time. <laughs> and it got all got soggy. Soft. Right. Not well, soggy. Softer. Edible. Ah, softer, gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> yes. We make yeah. cookies over the weekend, so there's like lots say, of Zoe cookie did talk too, in our house. She did the whole dipping. I'm like, I don't dip. Oh, my cookies. I thought about making cookies, and I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> See, well, and I just think it's funny how some people are dippers and some people aren't. I am not a dipper, but she's a I'm dipper. I'm not either. <laughs> These are important what? things. Are you a dipper or not? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but when it comes to your work style, Stace, you are that that necessary glass of milk if you need to dip that. In that tough cookie. Yeah. That's good. That's why I brought you in. I thought you were good for that. You know, like getting through (laughs) Um, those. The dipper. I'm the dipper. Well, you listen. You're a good mediator. I think you take people into account. You bring a different context that other people may not think. And it it gives a more well-rounded view of the relationship with the client. And then really in the end, I think the client's that you really care about them in addition to the work. And I think they really build that trust with you. You know, yeah. and I think that's really important as a as a as a service provider. Yeah, no, I agree. And I, I mean, and I don't know if I intentionally ever really did it that way. It just has, or thought about it. I guess, right? right. I just think that it just from human nature, people want to be heard, and they should be heard. Mm-hmm. And well, and, and just part of your nature is a a genuine kind of like caring soul, and that carries over just because we're in a business setting doesn't mean that you have to stop treating people like people. Right, right. Right. It's like, we're not, we're not changing the world. We're not, you know, teaching our youth. Yes, we do taxes, but at the end of the day, like it's about helping people and everyone's got a need and how can we best suit to help your need and work you through things, especially, you know, often, especially in the last couple of weeks, we've come into companies and said, Hey, by the way, you're a million dollars in arrears. Yeah. Like you are not compliant by like a, a million dollars. Yeah. It's very stressful for us too. Yeah. I can't even imagine oh, yeah. what it's like for them because it's not our money. Yeah. No, right. it's very, it's, we're like, oh, we think this is pretty good considering, <laughs> but you know, cause it's only 10 states instead of all 46 or whatever, or 50. Right. And, but right. then they're like, Right. Yeah. yeah. Meanwhile, meanwhile, their heads spinning. Right. No, right. I know. I know. Like it could can't. have been worse. Right. <laughs> like, what do you mean it could have been worse? It's a million dollars. Right. Well, so then who do you, throughout kind of your career, and maybe, you know, you've touched on this, but who would you say has been the most influential person in your career? You or know, is there I not mean, like one? Uh, yeah. I mean, I would say there's like, there's been like it, some, I don't know, you know, I feel like like it's been different people over time, right? Um, you know, like I said, the one partner that I walked into his office, the you red know, line, the red, yeah, with his red ready at the ready. I mean, while that was incredibly annoying, I learned a lot, right? Because mm. words matter, 
right? And I, I mean, I would agonize over these memos and, you know, private letter rulings that we would write. I mean, I'd hours and hours of agonizing because we all know the words matter. And then when I'd go in and he'd, you know, start redlining and I would, and then sometimes I disagree with him. (laughs) So we'd have, actually, I think, you know, he and I carved a pretty good relationship, right? Because I'd walk in and he'd be like talking to me about an issue, right? To be like, cause I like writing and I'm like, words matter. Right. And so like, he would be like, well, what do you think this should say? We got to that kind of understanding. Right, so there's a respect. Yeah. Well, he probably saw in you that thing, whatever that is for him, that was like, she's good. I'm going to invest in her. And that's, well, yeah, I think, I how mean, we like, feel about a lot of people. Like, I hire people that I want to invest in. Like, I feel that there's this thing that I see there that, you know, I know you're going to be really good and I can trust well, you to execute. Like, that's a like if I am the one who's creating the work and helping people get through it, I can't do all of it by myself. I need good people that care and do a great job. Well, and Judy, that's what you've always said is people matter. Yeah. Like whether sure. it's our clients, our staff, you know, and just, you know, life outside of outside of work and tax and whatnot, that people matter. And it's true. And they're paying us and they're giving us a living, but we also want to help them, right? I mean, we also have something to share that is so deep and intrinsic and not known commonly. Like we can really provide a lot of advice and counsel to them, but we also have to be patient with their ability to intake us. So that is a really powerful thing, Stacey, that you kind of won that um, practitioner over. Well, and I might've had a little (laughs) bit of an in, honestly, because so when when I took the job, at Anderson, I had no idea who the practice leader for the Chicago office was. Turns out he was the brother to my algebra teacher. And if you think about that, like put your head around that, right? Because you grew up in a town of 700 people. Correct. And he grew up in a town of about that number of people too, of neighboring town. And I didn't know that until like, he actually pulled me aside and he's like, you're from Bradford. And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, do you know who my brother is? And I'm like, looking at him. And I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, Bob Sash, Steve Sash. So Bob Sash was the partner in charge. And his brother, Steve, was my algebra teacher. <gasps> I mm-hmm. And see, there's that affinity of common yeah, yeah, heritage yeah. or whatever, yeah. that connection that mm-hmm. we have as people that forms our a lot of things. Well, and wow. I think, you know, Bob had lived in Chicago for years, right? And I think he was like, hey, here's somebody who's like from, you know, my, you know, neck of the woods. And he'd like have me come into his office. I remember he got an aerial of the farm that he grew up on, right? Like that's a big thing, right? With farm communities, right? You get an aerial picture of the farm, right? <laughs> and so he brought me into his office to show me the aerial. And then like, I'd walk out of his office and everybody would be looking at me like, why were you in there? Like, <laughs> we're just talking about life on the farm. What I'm are you like, talking about? I'm like, he's showing me the aerial. They're like, what? Why? Yeah, it's an aerial. <laughs> Why do you even know that? Right? So, yeah. So, I mean, like, so we had some commonalities, which I think was, like, refreshing to him in some ways. And then, yeah. but he also got to know me, right? My work style and, you know, kind of what I could offer. But then I think to the other partners, you know, they came. I, I never used that to my advantage by any stretch, right? Because it's not like, I mean, Bob was my boss, right? Ultimately right. my boss. But you don't have to. People, you you already have that affinity from him. 
and he's going to connect with you. And then everybody else is going to see it and go, she knows a way into the king. <laughs> Cause he I, likes I didn't her. look at it that way. Well, I didn't right. look at it like that, no. but like, I, I'm sure it didn't hurt, you know, no, in some no, ways. No. Right. Cause you could yeah. have a more informal relationship oh, with yeah. him in addition to the formality and you had more common, you have more common history. So there's that connection that you have yeah. about living in a farming community. Yeah. Well, so then, Stace, as we kind of wrap this up, share one thing about yourself that we don't know about you. Oh, um, this might become this might be a surprise. I'm a geek out on the NCAA March Madness. Really? Geek Huge geek out. Love it. <laughs> Do multiple brackets. Totally into it. I mean, like weirdly into it. I don't You're think I definitely, I definitely, like I could see you playing basketball. Oh, right. Yeah. Like I've never played basketball <laughs> in my life. Just, I love March Madness. Like I love all the energy. I love everything about it. I'm usually rooting for the underdogs, even though like in my brackets, they're, you know, they're not winning. I mean, you know what I mean? Like it's, oh yeah, no, I'm totally into it. Well, so like, then how often do you get the 12, the 12, yeah. five? What do you mean? You know how like every year there's a 12-5 upset in oh, the first round? yeah. No, I, I don't normally you... have that upset. It's kind of funny. Like, I, I should. So you love it, but are you bad at it then? <laughs> no, I've won some pools <laughs> over time. But, you know, that's probably because I put in like 10 brackets. <laughs> <laughs> One of these is bound to win. I picked totally, on mascots. Totally. I picked random. <laughs> totally. Like all the underdogs at some right. point. Totally. Because you're going to have that one upset that just breaks everyone's right. bracket. Right. So, so do you pick based on strategic or do you pick based on I oh, want to pick try. the underdog? Okay. No, 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 no. I mean, it's funny because I don't normally pick the underdog, but like when I'm watching the games, I'm totally rooting for the underdog. Right. Yeah. That's so. funny because I, I did that way in the beginning of my staff years and I won. And one of the uh, directors, he was really mad because it was sort of my first time. But I got advice. Like I figured out how to pick the seated, and then I picked it, and I won fair and square. And yeah. I don't think he liked that very much. <laughs> Probably not. It's, the people who take it really seriously, my husband being one of them, just get like super upset when like but the people who are, like luck. really have have no business, right? right? Like he gets so mad at his fantasy where he's like. I am strategic, but I'm doing terrible because it's like, okay, bro, part of it's like luck, right? Like you never know. Like, right. Or especially now, it's like something in that game that brings the underdog in. I mean, that does happen. We've watched all of these movies, people. Starting receiver has COVID. (laughs) Like, so that kind of helps. So, our last thing, and this wasn't so rapid as we did it with Alex, so maybe we'll try again. But we're going to do some rapid response questions that are just silly, fun, and just another way of, you know, having people get to know you. So you ready? Ready to ever be. <laughs> I don't know what's coming. So like, I don't know. All right. All right. What are you reading right now? Oh, I'm not. I'm watching. <laughs> I'm watching. Okay, fine. What are you watching? The Crown. Uh, are you? Oh, all right. That's so next good. on my list. And so I like, uh, so I'm not normally like a sit- around a do nothing type of person but full disclosure saturday i watched the whole first season of the crown on my butt <laughs> on my sofa ordered nice. food like that's what i did so like what did i do with my without my kids that Nice. Awesome. Are they hour long or 20 minutes long? Hour. They're an, okay. I mean so it's Netflix, so it's there's a, no there's no commercials, right? You right. were like in the zone. You're committed. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> what do you listen to in the car? Oh, XM radio. I listen to usually Alt Nation. All the new like alternative music. What's your favorite movie? Silence of the Lambs. Really? What? All right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
All right. And my favorite book, honestly. Interesting. I know. All right. I wonder what that says about me. <laughs> yes. Just say it. We'll unpack that. We'll unpack that in a follow-up. <laughs> right. Right. Um, should we should we do a round two? <laughs> maybe. All right. Three words or phrases that lot would use to describe you. A lot. Hmm. Mm. Oh, that's unpredictable. But um I would say fun, I hope. Loving, caring. All right. What is one thing you've learned during stay at home? I would say to appreciate the little things. Um, I try to get out to take like a walk. I mean, you guys kind of know that. I try to get out and take a walk. It's getting colder, right? So it's not happening quite as much, but I really like being outside and I've gotten to enjoy it a lot more since we've been home. What is your favorite thing to do with each one of your kids? Well, we're big Disney World fans, as you guys know, or Disney, Walt Disney. Um, We've been both parks, I guess, in the U.S. I would say going on a roller coaster with Lot is one of my favorite things to do with him. He loves roller coasters. And just to see his face and just how the pure joy on his face. Um, Walker, I would say, is actually just taking a walk with the dogs. He and I have some quality time walking the dogs usually, and we just talk about whatever he wants to talk about, sports, whatever. He loves baseball, as you guys know, and so we talk a lot about baseball and, you know, kind of what he wants to do with that because he's, you know, currently trying to get on a uh, travel team. So we'll see if he ends up getting on a team, but we spend some time. It's just, I think, our time to, you know, just talk about you know, what's going on in each other's lives. Cause he's, four, he's 14. So it's, it's a different relationship, right? Yeah. And a different stage. Which one of your animals is your favorite? Oh, that's not fair. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> the new puppy. Cause it's the cutest and cuddliest. Yeah. Except for he's a puppy. And <laughs> I'm like, no, right. need my head examined for doing this everybody. Um, and I'm cleaning up after him all the time and I'm getting up in the middle of the night. So mm, maybe not him. Um, maybe (laughs) eventually, maybe eventually. I would say my, it's funny because I have dogs and cats, but I would say my cat, Tom, he's, he's my buddy. He like sits next. He's not right right next to me now, but like he usually sits next to me when I'm working and sleeps with me at night. He's like my buddy. He's like, did he watch the crown with you? He did part of it. (laughs) They all did, though, really. I mean, like, the dogs didn't really... I mean, they were, like, cashed out, right? Like, it was hours. It was... There's 10... There's 10 episodes in the first season. Maybe every season. I don't know. 10. Think about that, people. Uh-huh. <laughs> How much I sat on my sofa. All right. That's fine. I, I'm, I'm jealous, let's be honest. Thank gosh for Netflix, though, honestly, with this COVID thing. I'm like... It is like a yeah. saving grace of something fun to look forward to and get into what some of these series, I think. Yeah, for sure. So, All right, Sace. Well, thank you so much for being here today, for being part of the team and for being you. You are the newest member, but yeah. a tremendous member and team. And I just love the opportunity that I get to, you know, connect with you and spend time with you. Um, so thank you for you know, taking the risk and joining the team. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It was, I mean, to me, honestly, I mean, I, I'm, I feel blessed to be here just so that you guys know, but also like I had, I had several friends ask me, you know, once I made the transition, like, how's it going? 
is it, you know, how it's a feel different. And I'm like, no, I, you know, because for the most part, I've worked with everybody before. Mary, I know you and I haven't worked together before, but I feel like it's just been an easy, you for know, sure. transition and it feels very comfortable and like just being home. Right. I mean, I, I do consider you all my family and, you know, it takes a village, right? <laughs> and, and we are that village. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, so we need each other as much as, you know, anybody so else. Terrible. So, and so I'm just, I feel very blessed to be here and I love working with you all. So thank you for, thank you for hiring me for entrusting me and, you know, like letting me do my thing and be a part of it. Well, this has been another episode of Saltivation. I'm Meredith Smith. Until next time. This podcast is for educational purposes only and is not intended, nor should it be relied upon as legal, tax, accounting, or investment advice. You should consult with a competent professional to discuss specifics of your situation and the applicability of the information presented.